0: Hey friends, I'm so glad that you're joining us today. My name is Steve Wallen. I'm the campus pastor of our Noblesville campus here at Genesis Church. And today is Independence Day. It's July the 4th. It's the day that we often celebrate with hot dogs and hamburgers on the grill and uh, swimming and parades and fireworks and all that stuff is really great. I'm so glad that we have it in our lives. But at the same time as we're celebrating Independence Day, let's not forget to thank the God of the universe for our freedom, the freedom that we have to be a part of this great country, but also the freedom that we have in Christ. I mean, if you think about it, many of the principles of democracy that our country's founded on uh, came from the gospel of Jesus. And God is the one who provided all these brave men and women who have gone before us and fought to keep our country free in so many ways and keep us free to be able to worship uh, the way that we want to worship. And so I just want to start this morning by praying and thanking God uh, for the freedom that we have in Him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I am thankful uh, for You and for the way that You provide so much for us. I'm thankful for the independence that we have, uh, for being a part of the United States, but I'm thankful even more than that for the freedom that we have to worship You uh, and to come before You every week, every day, and uh, sing Your praises. Uh, Thanks, Lord. Uh, for being our provider, and thanks for being the one that gives us true freedom. Uh, the, the, your word says that where your spirit is, there is freedom, and so we celebrate that today, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, well, I want to talk to you today about Friends. And I got to tell you, I'm really excited to talk about this because I just found out, I just checked today. I'm excited that as of today, I have 1,413 friends. (laughs) That is so awesome. Well, at least that's according to Facebook. That's what Facebook has to say. Uh, But did you know that Facebook friends are not necessarily real friends? You probably know that, right? But I'm telling you that legally... The courts have determined that Facebook friends are not real friends. There was a case recently in in Florida, 2019, and it stemmed from a case where there was a judge trying a case, and one of the attorneys who was presenting the case before the judge was a Facebook friend of the judge. And so the other attorney asked for the judge to be recused from the case. The judge refused to take himself off the case, and it went to court. And it went all the way to the Florida Supreme Court, which determined that a Facebook friend is not the same thing as a real friend. In fact, it says this. uh, The decision uh, says, a Facebook friend may or may not be a friend in the traditional sense of the word. Chief Justice Charles Kennedy wrote for the majority. But Facebook friendship is not, as a categorical matter, the functional equivalent of a traditional friendship. And so, I don't know, if a Facebook friend is not a real friend, what is a real friend? And why are friendships even important? Well, self-help author and uh, guru Jim Rohn says this. He says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I think that's really good. That's really helpful to understand that the people we're around matter that they have influence on us. My dad used to say it this way. The great philosopher, my dad, uh, used to say, you are who you run with. And uh, you know, the Bible has a lot to say too about the importance of friendships. And one of my all-time favorites is Proverbs 13:20. Proverbs 13:20 says this, "Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm." You know, we're reading through the Bible together as a church this year and today is day 185. And we are in Lamentations. And I want to invite you to join us in that. We're, we're calling it Planted uh, this whole year. We're calling Planted. That's kind of our theme for the year. And I want to invite you to join us by doing one of a couple of things. Uh, you can go to our website, genesischurch.me. And there you can download a reading plan. And, uh, or you can find it on the Read Scripture app. Uh, That's an app that's available for Apple devices or Android devices. And I just want to encourage you, don't try to catch up. I mean, like we're on day uh, 185. Don't try to go all the way back to the beginning and catch up and get with us. Just start today on day 185 and start reading with us. But for this summer, what we're doing is we've been looking at the wisdom books. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. And we're in Proverbs today. We've actually stayed in Proverbs for most of this summer where the author who is passing along wisdom to his son, father giving wisdom to a son, has a lot to say about the difference between the wise and the foolish. Uh, There's a lot of scripture we can read about that. For instance, Proverbs 3.35 says, the wise inherit honor, but fools get only shame. Obviously in this case, it's better to be wise than to be a fool. Uh, Proverbs 10.1 says, a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Now, don't ask me, I don't know why the father gets joy and the mother gets grief. I'm not sure how that works, but that's what scripture has to say. Now, Proverbs 10:8 says this way, the wise in heart accept commands. You know, the wise are obedient, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. Now, I don't know about you, but ruin doesn't sound like a very good outcome to me. And so I'd rather be wise than foolish. Or Proverbs eleven twenty nine 29, maybe says it the most directly. It says the fool will be servant to the wise. But my favorite one, and the, the one that I think is the most useful, is the one that I've already shown you from Proverbs thirteen twenty. It's walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harms. And let me tell you why I think that one's really helpful. One, it gives us a choice to make. And two, it gives us a consequence for what happens when we make our choice. Now, I say often, I tell my kids this often, uh, we only have to do two things in life. We have to make choices and we have to live with the consequences of those choices. And this proverb gives us a choice to make and gives us the consequence that we will face as a result of that choice. Now, again, as we've said through this series, proverbs are not promises, Okay, they, they give us the accumulated wisdom of God's people throughout the generations. And so they're intended to give us practical lessons for life. And so they're more like probabilities. But really, aren't all of our consequences of our choices more like probabilities than promises? I mean, I know we want to teach our kids lessons, but we as parents should probably cut way back on using the words always and never, right? I mean, because isn't it true that I mean, sometimes winners quit. Uh, isn't it true that cheaters sometimes prosper and that the best way to spread Christmas cheer might be singing loud for all to hear? I don't know. Is that a given? Is that a promise? I'm not sure. So proverbs are more like probabilities. And this one says the probability is good that if you walk with wise people, okay, if you hang around with wise friends, you will become wise. And as I've already shown you, scriptures has good things to say about people who are wise, but if you have fools for friends, you will suffer harm. Now I want to take a minute right here and just talk to students who are watching right now. Uh, And especially I want to talk to students who are making a change right now, getting ready to make a change to a new school. If you're headed into middle school, if you're headed into high school, if you're headed into college, or if you're, you just graduated from college and you're starting your new life, you're waiting looking for your own place, I wanna to talk to you. Because here's the thing, you are getting ready to start with a whole new circle of friends, okay? I know you think you're gonna stay close to your high school friends when you go off to college, but chances are, if history is a guide, you're not. Uh, you may stay close to one or two, but you're gonna have a whole new group of friends on your dorm room floor, in your apartment, wherever you're living, If you graduated from college, you may stay close to a couple of your college friends. But most likely, your new friends are going to be people you work with, people you live around. Now, I just want to encourage you in this. As you're choosing friends, don't choose the coolest, the funniest, or the best looking unless they're wise. Okay, Go choose the wise friends, the friends who are doing wise things, and not the foolish friends. And you'll know pretty soon after you meet them whether they're gonna be wise or foolish because I I wanna make this clear, okay? The proverb doesn't say that if you hang out with fools, you will become a fool, All right? That's not the promise. That's not the probability that we get from proverbs. Uh, You can hang out with fools and not become a fool. There's a difference, all right? But here's the thing. We all have stories of a, a smart person, a wise person who was with the wrong crowd And because of that, they suffered harm because the probability is that if you hang out with friends who do dumb stuff, something's going to backfire. And even if you're not one of the ones doing dumb stuff, you might get caught up in that backfire. So scripture says it's important for us to hang out with wise friends. And here's why we all do dumb stuff sometimes. Okay. All of us make bad decisions. The wisest people among us, the smartest people among us, we make bad decisions, even good people. Make bad decisions. Let me say it this way. Even wise people make foolish decisions from time to time. And generally, there are a few reasons why a generally wise person might make a dumb decision. Here, here are some one is immaturity all right, he's a good kid, but he's uninformed. He just doesn't know. You're immature in one area or one subject. Uh, You can be inclined to make a dumb decision. You just didn't know about that subject matter. You're just not old enough. You haven't experienced it, okay? Uh, You have no knowledge in that area. You can still be wise, but make a dumb decision in that if you're immature. The second reason is fatigue. I mean, guys, all of us get tired. We're, We're worn out, we're frazzled, and when we're like that, we tend to make worse decisions, We eat the whole pizza, all right? We drink the whole bottle of wine or we get on TikTok for 15 minutes and bam, it's 5 a.m., just like that. Uh, The third reason that we can make dumb decisions is because of our pride. We think we know better. We refuse to take direction. That thing that happened to my parents, it's not gonna happen to me. I know you're trying to get me to learn from your mistakes, but I'm gonna learn from my own mistakes. Uh, Or maybe we think we're immune to the problems that have plagued other people with that. We're just prideful. We think we're better than that. We think we're going to be able to rise above. But the fourth reason that sometimes wise people make dumb decisions, I'm calling it DUI or decisions under the influence. We make poor decisions because we're surrounded by people who are making poor decisions. We're surrounded by fools. We have friends who are making poor decisions and we really want to fit in And so even though we're a wise person or a smart person, we can make a dumb decision under the influence. That last one, that decisions under the influence is why we need to have wise friends. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Well, hey, if having the wrong friends can cause us to make poor decisions, why should I even have friends at at all? (laughs) I mean, after all, wouldn't it be easier if I just, figured out life by myself, just went by myself and did it with it. No, because here's why you were made for friendship. Okay. You were made to be in community. When God created man in Eden, he, he created this great garden for people to live in. He created all the animals that, that walked on the land and that swam in the sea, the, the birds of the air. And he looked at all of it, everything he created. And he said that it was good. He declared it good. He said, everything I've made is good, except one thing. There was one thing in the garden that God looked at and said it wasn't good. He pointed to the man he created and he said, it is not good for man to be alone. Man was made for community. We can't do life alone. We need friends. And especially, uh, we need certain kinds of friends. In fact, I would say that everybody needs three kinds of friends in their life. Uh, This is something I've thought about a lot this week. Number one, we all need an encourager. We need that friend that always has our back. Do you have one person in your life who, no matter what happens, no matter what you do, you know you can count on them for encouragement? I have a few people who, when I get finished with a message, if I'm preaching on stage on the weekend and I don't think it went very well and I just need a little pick-me-up, I've got a few people that I can pick out of the crowd and I know that I can go up to them and they're gonna tell me it was great. Maybe it wasn't great at all. Uh, That's okay, but they're gonna tell me that. And in that moment, that's what I need to hear. I need that encouragement. I mean, even if uh, it wasn't true, there are times when I need somebody to just you know, stroke my ego a little bit, to just give me some good news because that's what's gonna help me get through that moment. And you, maybe you're like that too. You know, in some of that, those really tough moments, you're not really looking for truth. There's a time for that. Maybe it'll come later, but you just need some encouragement. I, I love what Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy said about encouragement. He said, here's how you can tell someone needs encouragement if they're breathing. Right? We all need encouragement. We all need that friend who's an encourager. And parents, I just want to talk to you for a minute. I, I think this is one of the best things that we can do for our kids. Um, this is something that it has taken me a long time to learn, that we need to be our kids' encouragers. And I know we're always trying to correct our kids. We want to raise good kids. We're trying to uh, get them on the right path. And that's so important. It's super important. But at the same time, that means we need to go over and above to make sure that we're encouraging our kids. Because if everything that we do in our life is correcting them, they're going to have to go somewhere else to find their encouragement. And they need to get encouragement from their parents. I've had to learn this the hard way. I'm so inclined to correct my children, to discipline my children, and I'm much less inclined naturally to encourage them. And so I've had to learn over the years that I've got to go out of my way to encourage my kids. And Hey, this is true, especially uh, for those of you who are coaching your kids in little league sports. All right. They, you need to serve in that way. Uh, Your kids need to spend time with you in that way. They need coaches. They need good God fearing Christ following parents uh, to be coaches in those leagues. But let me tell you this, you need to coach your kid differently than you coach the other kids. I'm not saying you play favorites. I'm not saying that you're harder on them. I'm not saying that you teach them the skills of the game or whatever they're learning any differently than anything else. But here's what I'm saying. You need to continue to encourage your children even while you're correcting their skills on the field. You need to go over and above as a coach because here's the deal. Here's the deal. They're gonna have lots of coaches in their life, but they're only gonna have one mom, okay? They're only gonna have one dad. And so just think about that as you're interacting with your kids. We all need an encourager. The second kind of friend we all need is we all need a challenger. Now, this is that one friend who's gonna ask tough questions. They're gonna call you out when you make a bad decision. They're gonna be the first to confront you when you get it wrong, but they're not a critic, okay? They're not just looking to poke holes in everything that you do because they're also gonna praise you When you get it right, you know, we all have that one friend who, that when they call us on the phone, we pick up our phone and look at it and go, Oh no, I don't think I have the energy for this right now. That's not the challenger. Okay. That's, that's the life sucker. We don't all need one of those in our lives. The challenger is one that you might be nervous to hear from, but if you are, it's because you know, you got it wrong and you know, they're going to call you out on it. And that's the kind of conflict we need in our lives. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Those challenger friends, they keep us sharp, okay? They're the ones who are always there to rub up against us in a way that's going to keep us at our very best. You know, the challenger is also the friend who gives you the best perspective. They'll say something like, I know you're upset about this now, but in light of eternity, does that really matter? You know, that's the challenger. We need them in our lives. So we need the encourager. We need the challenger. The third kind of friend we need is the advisor. This is someone who's been where we are and has lived to tell about it. If you're a parent, the, your advisor probably has kids that are older than your kids. If you're in a relationship, the advisor has been married longer than you. If you're in a career, they've done it before. If you're finding your way back to God, your advisor has a faith that you look up to and that you want. Proverbs 15, says this, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. You know, you need a friend in your life who's gonna be that advisor. They're further along the path that you're on. They're, they're wiser, they're more knowledgeable, and probably they have gray hair, you know? Uh, so we all need these three friends. We need the encourager, the challenger, and the advisor. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus and you think it's important that you have these three kinds of friends, then you need to make an effort to be these kinds of friends too. You need to be an, make an effort to be a good friend. And if you don't have many friends, go make some, right? There's a lot of lonely people out there who are looking for friends. Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, the only way to have a friend is to be one. And so what does it mean to be a good friend? So if you're going to be on the, on the being side of being a good friend, let me give you three ways that you can be a good friend. Uh, number one is this, be considerate. This just means that you care. You really care about others. You listen to their problems. You show genuine interest in the things that interest them. You know, our society right now has made most communication a one-way street uh, where we project things about ourselves, right? Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, all of them encourage us to post something about us, to share to others, communicate to others, what we think, but none of them are very well built for communicating with others, right? Or to listening to what's going on in someone's life. That means we got to get in and get our hands dirty. We, we can't just be friends on social media. We got to get in and actually talk to somebody and more important, listen to somebody. What do they love? What are they afraid of? What's important to them? What drives them crazy? What are they feeling? What do they like? What are they not like? Now, if all this sounds a little touchy-feely to you, well, then you may not really understand what friendship is. I mean, maybe you're too manly for all that squishy stuff, but I want you to know that Proverbs 19 in the Living Bible, it says that kindness makes a man attractive. And you want to be attractive, right? We all do. Yeah, you can get together and watch the game together, or you can share a bottle of wine, or you can go play pickleball together, whatever. But if you don't ever engage in the deep matters of the heart, And what's the point of friendship? You know, a true friend knows what's going on in your life. Think about what the Apostle Paul said about love in 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, You usually hear this only at weddings, but this is not really necessarily about wedding kind of love. This can be about friendship love. It says this love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. And now if you can't look at yourself in your friendships and think that accurately describes you, maybe you've got some work to do on being considerate. But caring for others, being considerate is the first way to be a good friend. The second way is to be consistent, to be consistent. You know, a, a true friend is the one that you know is always going to be there. They're checking in on a regular basis. They're on your side when things are good, but they're also there when things are bad. Proverbs 17, 17 17 says it this way. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. You know, if you want to know who your true friends are, make a mistake. (laughs) Make a big mistake and then see who's still there beside you. We all need a few friends who are going to be consistent, that they're constantly checking in with us. Yeah, I think one of the big barriers to friendship today in our society is busyness. Uh, if you want to have friends and you want to be a friend, you've got to be consistent. You can't be too busy for that. You've got to be able to be in someone's life. So you'd be considerate, you'd be consistent. And the third way to be a good friend is to be confidential. Friends should be able to share their deepest secrets with their other friends and not hear about them later from someone else. You know, in the words of Pawnee's own Donna Meagle snitches get stitches, right? Nobody wants to hear uh, your own rumors back from somebody else, or maybe scripture says it better. Let's just go with scripture instead. Proverbs eleven thirteen 13 says it this way. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. You know, most of us have probably lost a friendship or two because of loose lips. You know, we've shared something that has come back to haunt us. A true friend won't betray your confidence. So again, Proverbs 13:20 says this: "Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm." Now in my mind, this still leaves me with one question, and it's this: Does this mean I can't have unwise friends in my life? I mean, after all, if people that we truly care about and love are making dumb decisions, maybe they're fools. Right? Or, or maybe we have friends in our lives that haven't found their way back to God yet. Does this mean we got to abandon them? Like cut them out of our lives? Not hang out with them anymore? Well, no. But I think it's super important that we ask this question. Who is the spiritual leader in this friendship? In other words, if I am trying to be a wise person, And I've got friends that are doing foolish things. Do I take my cue from them or do they take their cue from me? Do we always do what they want to do or do we usually decide to do what I want to do? Because here's the thing, even if you're wise, okay, even if you're a good person, whatever that means, even if your intentions are good, if you hang out with fools, eventually, Proverbs says, the probability is you will suffer harm. So if you can lead in those relationships, it's really important that you have some friends around you who don't know Jesus, who haven't found their way back to God yet. Even if they are unwise, they need you. They need your wisdom. They need your faith. They need your leadership. But if you find yourself in a position of always playing the follower just doing the dumb stuff that the fools do, doing things that make your spidey sense tingle, right? Doing things that you don't want your parents to find out or your kids to find out or your spouse or your significant other to find out about. Well, it's probably best that you take a break from those friends. And I know that that might be really tough, but you might have to have a really hard conversation of saying, you're my good friend. I love you. I care about you, but I can't hang out with you right now because you're making really bad decisions. Now, one more thing, just one thing I wanna share with you and then I'll close about wise and foolish friends. If you wanna be the best kind of friend, I mean, say you wanna be an encourager and a challenger and an advisor for someone, you know, maybe you want to learn better. How can I be more considerate and more consistent and more confidential with my friends? If that's true, there's no better way to do that than to spend more time with Jesus. Jesus. You know, near the end of his ministry as Jesus was talking with his disciples, he told them all this. He said in John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You And Jesus is a real friend. He's the best kind of friend. In fact, he even went on to say that greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus did just that. He laid down his life for you. You're, you're a friend of Jesus and he's alive and living today. You can talk with him. He's all those things. He's an encourager, a challenger, an advisor and he calls you friend. And so you can spend time with him by reading his word and praying and worshiping him. And you might say abiding in him. He will teach you everything he learned from his father just like he taught his disciples so many years ago. He lived for you. He died for you. He rose from the grave for you. Spend some time with him and learn how to become a true friend. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I am thankful that you gave us the example of your son, Jesus, for what it means to be a friend. I'm thankful that your word instructs us to be Wise and not foolish, and to to hang out with wise people because a companion of fools suffers harm, Lord, help us to evaluate those friendships in our lives and say, "Where am I being wise and where am I being foolish? Where am I doing the right thing, and where do I maybe need to back away and take a break? Lord, we thank you for the wisdom that you 're sharing with us during the series. We thank you that you've given us this instruction to help us live a better life. Uh, Lord, help us to follow you better. As we go from this place, as we go on with our life this week, as we celebrate the holiday today and then we move on into our work week, Lord, help us to uh, desire the things that you desire and to grow our relationship to be closer to you. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory when that happens. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.